my brother, Eddie, how's it going? Going great. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, Axe Brother. <laughs> yeah, <what>. represent. <laughs> 2017. Yeah. Oh, we were in the first batch at St. Faustina. That's right. Yeah, we go, we're, we're old school. We go, we go way back. <laughs> As if 2017 was a long time ago. Well, with COVID and everything, it does feel like it was forever ago. Forever. Now, speaking about long ago, where did you grow up? I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So you're not from Houston. I am not from Houston. No, I am not. Pittsburgh. Yes, sir. Huge Steeler fan. Oh, until now. <laughs> or uh, I root for the Texans, you know. When they're good. <laughs> You grew up in Pittsburgh. Were you always Catholic? Uh, I was born uh, cradle Catholic, uh huh. Um, but at best a priester. So um, to answer your question, yes, I was always a Catholic, but not really. Not it really. Was just a cultural thing. Okay, so not even Christmas or. <sighs> it, it depends on the year, right? Oh, okay. some years we didn't go Christmas or Easter, and some years we did, and you know. Uh, but overall. I grew up not even knowing how to pray the Our Father or Hail Mary. Really? Yeah. As a cradle Catholic, yeah. you were baptized and everything, but so no faith formation classes at all. My brother and I used to skip uh, CCE. You wow. Know? Yeah. So um, it just wasn't important in our family life, obviously. And, um, you know, it wasn't until later on that I had an epiphany-like experience. But growing up, um, you know, uh, Jesus really didn't mean that much to us. Unfortunately, were your parents just too busy, or what was that? Uh, what was your home life like? Um, it just it wasn't a top priority. Um, we weren't busy, you know, because you know I wasn't involved in like a lot of sports on the weekends back then. You know, uh -huh. like when you're ten years old. Um, just my mom and my stepdad had other priorities, you know, and um, church wasn't one of them. Okay, so you got your mom, your stepdad, your brother. Do you have any other siblings? Uh, so I'm the youngest. I have an older sister, Jennifer, older brother, Chuck. They're seven and five years older than me. And um, they are my half-siblings. Okay. So they, they are biological. Uh, we all have our mom in common. Okay. And your dad, you said your stepdad, is your dad out of the picture? Uh, it's It's kind of a crazy situation. My dad passed away. When I was a month old. Oh. Yes. And my mom was a single mom for the first five years of my life. Uh-huh. And then she met my stepdad. And um, we were living in the inner city of Pittsburgh then. And they got married. And then we moved out to the suburbs. Now, your your biological father, was he Catholic? Uh, yes. He was German Catholic. Um, um, but... You know, I don't, I don't really know too much about my dad because of him passing away, and he was number seven of ten Ooh, children. Wow. But um, they just really never liked my mom, and so I grew up really not knowing any of my low-end aunts and uncles, uh -huh. and any of those cousins. So they were when my dad died. It was kind of like the whole family. The cord was cut from the the family. Okay. Yes. So do you ever wonder sometimes what your faith life would have been like growing up had your dad not died? Uh, yeah, I think about that all the time. You know, um, I think it would have been drastically different. You know, I, I really believe in the, you know, a positive male role model that influence can really shape our culture and our society and, and our family lives. And um, I think I wouldn't have had any excuses 
not to, um, you know, not go to church or not pray uh, if I had a strong fatherly figure. How bad was it? Like, was it just not going to church or did did it go way past that? Well, you know, I I celebrated my first Holy Communion. So my grandpap was uh, a very devout Catholic. Okay. And, and this is your, your mom's? My mom's dad. dad. Okay. Yes. And my mom's sister lived with my grandpap, and she was very faithful as well. Okay. Who's my godmother. So I did have some faith life influence. Okay. Uh, but it was it was minimal, you know, Um they lived in Pittsburgh, uh-huh. and I would see him probably once a month, but, you know, that's just not enough. Yeah, you can't get a whole lot when you... So did you and your your siblings kind of really sway? Did you get into a lot of trouble growing up? Yes. So my mom, uh, she's the youngest of five. Okay. And uh, she just made some really bad choices when she was 16, 17 years old. Okay. She got pregnant uh, with my sister at 17. And then was forced to marry uh, that guy who was two years older than her. Uh-huh. And um, it just, it was a real rough situation there. Because um, that was it, the practice at the time. You're pregnant, you have to get married. That's right. You have to. My grandpa was old school like that uh-huh. from Sicily, right? Uh-huh. So, you know, that was, that was the only choice that she had. But he was very abusive. And um, he got addicted to drugs, Hardcore drugs. The the husband, the first husband. That's right. That's right. Oh my, wow. My my sibling's dad. Right. Uh-huh. And it got so bad that their dad uh, committed suicide. Oh wow. Yeah. He was only twenty four years old at the time. Twenty four years old and commits suicide because he's like into hardcore drugs. Yes. Yes. Was, did he say why he committed suicide? Because it was just too much, he couldn't handle it? Or I think that he just, there was a history of depression and on his side of the family and, you know, having two kids close together a year and a half apart um, at, you know, 19, 21 years old. Yeah, I couldn't handle it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it was just too much for him. And, you know, he didn't, he didn't know how he was going to provide or, you know. Yeah, and he's yeah. he's in a marriage with somebody who he probably doesn't know that well. That's right. And yeah, that's that's a lot of things to throw into the mix yes. for somebody who, you know, in the early 20s to handle. Yes. He commits suicide and your mom's left alone. Correct. With two kids. With two kids. So then um she is uh on welfare. She's living in the inner city and meets my dad. Okay. Right? And you know, um, misery loves company, I guess, right? Abuse attracts abuse. And so she finds my dad, who's very abusive. Oh. Yes. Into drugs as well. Oh, so it's not a situation like this guy could have been fantastic. It's another round of the cycle. That's right. That's right. Um, she couldn't break the cycle. Uh-huh. Right? So, um, so yeah, she, she hooks up with my dad, has me uh-huh. out of wedlock. And um, a month after I was born, 1980, September 6, 1980, my dad was also addicted to drugs. Oh, no. And he passed away of a cocaine addiction, a heart attack. Wow. Second one. Now, was your mom in, into drugs as well? Did, was there a risk of you guys being born addicted? She wasn't addicted to drugs. However, she's an alcoholic. 
Oh. She's now a recovering alcoholic. Okay. Which at the end of the Thank story, God. there's a lot of uh-huh. redemption, uh-huh. right? But at the time, there was, um, you know, I mean, a gloom and doom type situation. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's a long, rough road. Of yes. Course. Yes. Uh, just uh, the power of how choices can really alter your life drastically. Uh-huh. And so how old was she when she had you? She uh, was 25. Oh, wow. Yeah. Three kids at 25. Uh, single. Yes. Right? After my dad. And then uh, single for, you know, another five years uh-huh. until she met uh, our stepdad. Wow. Yes. So she's just holding things together. And like you said, you were on welfare. Yes. Inner city. Yep. So growing up, you said you didn't have the best male role models. So who did you look up to, you and your brother and your sister? I had, uh, my brother was everything to me, you know, being five years older. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, we did everything t- together. Um, I had my grandpap. He was he was really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was a lot older, you know. Yes. Um, you know, just to, just to let you know, like when uh, when he passed away, he was 89 years old. That's when I was 12. Mm. So he was a lot older as a grandparent. Yes. Right? Um, but to answer your question, I really didn't have any fatherly figures other than my brother uh-huh. for those formative years. So it's kind of like the blind leading the blind. Yes. And you guys got into trouble, I suppose. Big time. Yeah. My sister and brother got into a lot of trouble. Um, because, you know, my mom at the time, she was just bar hopping and leaving the responsibilities to Jennifer to watch us. Right. I mean, Jen was like 10 years old and, you know. And your mom's out at the bar. That's right. Wow. Yeah. So my sister and brother see that type of lifestyle. They don't have any fatherly figure. Uh They don't have any positive role models. And so what are you going to do? You're seeking love, right? So yes. they look for love in all the wrong places. Uh-huh. My sister gets caught up um, in the same vicious cycle as my mom of all these abusive type men, right? And my brother becomes this playboy and uh, it's all about, you know, his next conquer, so to speak. And this is in their teens, I suppose. Yeah, okay. yeah. I mean, but this is the whole, but it started at like, Eight years old. Really? You know, yeah, of just having this type of mentality. Wow. It was just all about yourself. Uh-huh. Right? Like, you're just going to do what you're going to do. There's no respect for authority, so you're going to break the law. You're going to steal what you need to steal. Whatever feels good. Whatever feels Hedonistic good. Hedonistic lifestyle. Huh? That's right. Yeah, because you're seeking love. Uh-huh. And um, <clears throat> at the time, I didn't know that. Uh-huh. You know? But, um, yeah, so that's that's how we grew up. That was kind of the mindset. So shoplifting, I suppose. Yep. Skipping school. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. School was not a priority. Nobody helped us with our homework or um, there, there wasn't any of that, you know, sitting down at the kitchen table, you know, read, read books. I never went to a library growing up. Wow. You know? Yeah, I know. It's, it's crazy. Did your mom ever have any like, you know, um, you know, when she'd get on the wagon and just try to hit the straight and narrow for a while and then just fall off the wagon? Or was it really just consistent? It it was just consistent, unfortunately. You know, um, she just, she didn't find AA until I was uh, 12 years old after her dad passed away. Oh. That's when it was kind of a a wake-up call. 
Yeah. Um, but until then, she was just consistently drinking a bottle of wine every day. Wow. Yeah. Did you have, ever have any relatives say, okay, we got to take these kids away? Or really, there was nobody that could do it? Or? I had I had my Aunt Arlene, uh-huh. the oldest, um, and she was very responsible, my godmom. Mm-hmm. She would do that. I would I would sleep at her house, um, but it just caused so much controversy and commotion, and she just didn't want to really get in the middle of. Did your mom get mad at her? Oh, that, oh, oh, that's yes, a, yes, yeah. big time. Wow, you know, just screaming at her, and causing a scene. The police were called, and really, yeah, yeah, just because she wanted to take while your mom was out at a bar. That's right. She'd take you and your siblings in, and then your mom would get mad. Oh yeah, and, you know she she called CPS a few times. Oh, wow, and, yeah, like a- accusing your aunt of kidnapping you. Yeah, wow, yeah, that's crazy. And then my my, my aunt would call CPS on her for being an unfit mother, mm. and so it was just this big, um, just terrible nightmares. I'm sure, I'm sure it got worse after your grandfather died because, you know, he's, he probably played the referee for a while, huh? He did. He did. Um, but being so much older, I think he just kind of lost his energy level. Yeah. You know, and just, uh, just prayed for peace. Uh huh. You know? And then, so you said your, your mom found AA. Yeah, she did. But were you guys in like really deep trouble at that point? Well, we were with my stepdad. Okay. So, you know, our needs were being provided for. Uh-huh. Um, basic needs. Basic needs. Basic needs. I didn't, I didn't never have to worry about, you know, my clothes or food or right. uh-huh. that stuff. You know, I could do extracurriculars. I played a lot of sports. Uh-huh. So that was good. Um, but, you know, my spiritual needs weren't really met and my emotional needs weren't met from my stepdad. My mom, once she went into AA, she got sober for like a year and then you know, fell off the bandwagon and it was, uh, pretty much in and out for the next, you know, um, 10 years. Right. Yeah. Cause it's a journey. Yes. Yes. Now she has 22 years sobriety. So she's doing great. Right. But, but then it was, it was, it was a rock, you know, it was just a, a rocky mountain type situation. And what was it like for you and your siblings? having to see her go through that? Um, terrible. You know, you see the, the ambulance come get her and, um, you know, she goes to some psych ward and, um, and then my stepdad is just, he's just drunk the whole time or he's not home. And so we just, we just, uh, there was just times, like there was a couple of Christmases where I had to spend Christmas with my friends' families. Wow. You know? Um, so I was very fortunate in that sense that, I had, once we moved to the suburbs and especially middle school years, right, Uh I developed some really key friendships and their parents really took me under the wing. Mm. And that's when it started changing ever so slightly for me. Um, My priorities were, were out of whack still, but at least I had love. I had support. I had people who, you know, told me that they were proud of me and that they loved me. Wow. Yeah. And you saw what it's supposed to be like. That's right. Right? That's it doesn't right. have to be like this. <laughs> there are families that spend time with each other. Yes. That, you know, that support each other, that care for each other. Wow. 
so what was your your stepfather like to you? You said he was drunk all the time. So did he just like ignore you most? Of, or he, yeah, he well he was very like verbally abusive. Oh, really? Yeah. When my sister was living with us, you know, there was times that you know he would be so drunk that he would try to like hit us. Wow. But, um, you know, being that my brother's five years older and Jen seven, you know, they were like. 18 years old uh-huh. and they could really defend themselves. Yes. You know? Yeah. And so then it got real hostile. Oh. You know? Cause yeah. I was like 10 or 11. I couldn't really do anything. Yes. You know? Yeah. Um, but they would protect me because he would try to, he would try to come after me cause I was the, the weak one. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. The one who's less likely to fight back. That's right. Wow. That's. Did yeah. they ever, since they were older, did they ever get, you know, threatened to, get kicked out of the house or something like that? Oh, all, all the time, you know, all the time. They they ran away from home. They both did. You know, they got sent to juvenile delinquent centers and, you know, they were kind of at-risk kids, Uh huh. you know, looked upon as uh, another statistic. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, there was a lot of times that they were in and out and I was by myself and, you know, I just – Try to um, to really avoid going home. So oh, just, so when they were gone, you be, you took a lot of that uh, a lot of that hostility from your stepfather. Yes, but the the amazing thing was that uh, I was allowed to sleep over my friend's house like mm. anytime. So, oh, you know, I I went that route. So you were at friends' houses a lot. All the time. And their uh, their parents knew what your situation was like, I'm sure. Yes. Yes, they did. So they were more than happy to take you in. Absolutely. I have a lot of uh, surrogate parents, you know. So, wow. Yeah. I know. It's crazy. So when, yeah. you, so when you moved to the suburbs, you said you saw a lot of that. What about your brother and sister? Did they get influenced by any of that? Or, was it, or were they a little too far gone in, you know, delinquency? I think they were a little too far gone. Uh, my brother really had a conversion-like experience. Um, When he was 15, he started working at this deli, right, in our local suburb. And so the owner of the deli was a fatherly figure to him Uh and really mentored him a lot, okay? Mm. And he got Chuck on the straight and narrow path for like three years. Oh. And so uh, Chuck graduates from high school. Uh He's applying to colleges. That's fantastic. He, he was this heavy metal type kid with real long hair uh-huh. um, and changed his life around completely, uh-huh. cut his hair, was this clean cut preppy kid. Wow. Yes. And you would never know. Uh-huh. You look at him, he's, you know, he had everything going for him. He was just such a good looking guy, mm-hmm. charismatic. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so he he was he was going to school and then um and then when my sister, Jennifer, just went off the deep end, um, got caught up with uh, prostitution and hardcore drugs. Oh, really? It was that bad? It was that bad. Wow. She she left the house. She moved to New York City wow. and just got caught up in that lifestyle. Uh-huh. And when she died uh, June 6th of 1997 of a, a heroin overdose, Chuck just basically lost his will to live because they were so they were so close. Oh. Yeah, because they'd been through so much together. So much. So much. And wow. He just um he just got caught up in the same 
drugs oh. and situation that Jem was he, into. He just, yeah, f- fell back into it, huh? He, hard, hardcore, just, you know, following the Grateful Dead and, you know, just was um, just caught up in that type of lifestyle, you know, traveling the country and to all these like fish concerts and, uh-huh. you know, just uh, just getting caught up in that uh, LSD and, Wow. You know. So your sister, she went off to New York and did you just not hear from her? And then you just got the news that she had died? Is that what happened? Or uh, we would we would hear from her, you know, maybe twice a month. Okay. She would come back and visit. Mm-hmm. But, you know, my mom, even though my mom, you know, was into the alcoholism, uh-huh. obviously she didn't condone Jen's type of behavior. Uh-huh. So when Jen would come back to the house, there was a lot of arguing, mm. you know? And so yeah. that's why we only heard from her once or twice a month. Because she just wanted to avoid those arguments. Yeah. What about your brother who was at that time on the straight and narrow? Did he try to reel your sister in? He tried. We all did. We all did. Um, but I think the money was just too attractive to her. Mm. Um, you know, I... I remember my brother telling me from an early age that he always felt destined to fall into the same footsteps of his dad. Wow. I know. That's crazy, right? As to a, think that that early on in your life. Yeah. That you're you're only there's no hope, right? Uh-huh. So I'm just I'm made to to live the same way and to um ultimately to to die the same way. You know, um, did you ever get caught up in in that kind of stuff that your sister and brother did with 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 the drugs and the alcohol and and you know because you're you know there, there, some people think there is a genetic component to addiction so sure um, I think God spared me early on uh, I think God has always had a real special plan for my life He's put a lot of incredible people in my life to really help protect me to spare me from a lot of the chaos. Um, I got caught up in the, the basics of, you know, weed and alcohol. Um, but nothing but hardcore like n- what they got into. Never. I've never done any type of hardcore drug. I think I was always so afraid of what had happened to my siblings. Oh, because you saw them go off the deep end. That's right. I saw them uh, spiritually just deteriorate, uh-huh. right, and become lost and just, you know, and maybe when you were old enough to try it, you already had that those examples of your friends' families who, you know, who had a healthy lifestyle. Yes, and I started getting real involved in the sports then, so that was kind of my way out mm. of the yeah. this type of mindset. Yeah, you can't be an alcoholic and and be good on the basketball court. No, He's gonna <laughs> 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 was basketball your thing or was ba- basketball was my thing. Um, uh-huh. Going into seventh grade, it became uh, my life. That was um, that was my sanctuary. Um, I would escape all the family problems and just go down to the the neighborhood park and play for hours, right? Just mm. to get away from my stepdad. Uh-huh. And um, so that that became my sole focus was to get a college scholarship, and and that's how I was going to get out of this uh, this like low life mentality, uh-huh. right? And then your brother, you said that he thought that he was going to, he was destined for that. What happened with him? So um, he just never recovered. 
You know, he never recovered once. Jen died uh-huh. uh, in 1996. For a year and a half, he just he went off the deep end. Uh huh. And um, and you know, he had some really he made some really poor choices of not going to college. Uh huh. He gave up like he had a really solid group of friends. Uh huh. Who supported him when he had made those initial changes? Yeah, and he just um he just made some really 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 bad friends. I mean, he was right there. He was right three there. years on the straight and narrow. He was taking me to church. Uh huh. Right, and uh, there was a whole interview. He was on KDKA Pittsburgh News. They interviewed my brother because he had this huge turnaround. Right? Uh-huh. He had skipped school like 120 times in one year. And, he, I mean, he was just, he was crazy. He was fighting every kid. He was, you know, he just had so much anger and aggression in him. And and then, you know, he, he totally has this epiphany-like experience. And now he's doing his math work and he's focused at school. And, uh-huh. you know, and he's got his priorities straight. He, you know, got involved with track and baseball and, you know, and... um. So yeah, it was it was just crazy that he was so close, um, but by the choices that he made, kind of you know altered his um, his path. He wasn't you know emotionally equipped to deal with the loss of your sister, huh? No, he was not. He didn't have nearly the support system that that I had, uh-huh. and that's that's really the difference. Yeah, and he was much older too, so he was a little more far gone than you than you were. Yes. He he seen things that oh. you know that I didn't. He yeah. heard things that I didn't hear. So yeah. yeah, that's harder like things that you probably didn't notice he was old enough to understand. That's right. And wow. Yeah. I know. Wow. It's nuts. It's absolutely nuts. So yeah. uh, what happened with him? So what happened with him was um, October 27th of 1997, um, he was addicted to crack, and um, he just had so much guilt and shame um, for Jen's death. He, he blamed himself a lot, and um, he took his own life. Wow. I was 17 at the time, a junior in high school. And um, and that was the moment, Rudy, where I felt the Holy Spirit really for the first time in my life. I felt God, the Father, really wrapping his arms around me that, that he had a plan for my life and was going to spare me from all this lifestyle dysfunction. Because you could have easily gone the same route as your brother. Yes, I could have. You could have switched off of that narrow path and and gone into another you know cycle of self destruction the way your brother did. Yes, but I had good people in my life. Even mm. though my my priorities were backwards, uh-huh. I still had good people. People who were really in my corner, supporting me, encouraging me. You know, um, if I needed anything, they had my back. He didn't have that. You know, and um, and it just it was it was too much for him. You know. Wow. Yeah. Now, I kind of want to rewind back to, you said when you felt, you know, the Holy Spirit embrace you, you know, and protect you Mm -hmm. when you found out your brother died. What was that like? How did you feel that? Was it uh, a sensation? Was it? uh... It was a sensation. It was was in my room. 
when um, <clears throat> I was at home. I had not gone gone to school that day. I wasn't feeling well. And uh, when the police officer came and knocked on the door and told my mom and I what had happened to Chuck, I went in my room and I knelt down. And uh, I'm getting em emotional right now. Of course. Um, I cried out to God and I said, God, I can't do this. The pain is, is too much. It's too devastating. Uh -huh. um, I need you. I need you to show me that you are real and um, that everything's going to be okay. And that's when I felt this like warm summer, like wind slash embrace over me. Uh-huh. Um, I'd never felt anything like that before. And I had a, a, like a deep sense of peace, even in the midst of just hearing that my brother committed suicide. Didn't make any sense, mm. you know? Um, so I had a, a, a moment there where I, my sadness was lifted and I had hope for the first, first time. Wow. Yeah. In the midst of the worst news. Worst news ever. You just, you're still dealing with your sister's death. Yes. Because, I mean, a year and a half is not a whole lot of time. No. And then your brother, and then, but yet you still feel that peace. I don't know how else to describe it, Rudy. It was, it just gave me so much hope. I just knew that, that I was going to be healed of this. It was going to be a, 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 you know, a journey of being healed. But I knew that he had a calling for me, that I'm supposed to help other troubled kids who go through these type of things, you know, don't have a fatherly figure, mm -hmm. that I need to be that for them, you know? I'm at 17. I don't know anything, uh -huh. you know? Um, but that's, that's when I really felt the Holy Spirit, and that's why I thought that God was calling me to the priesthood, mm. you know? Because I had this experience where I seen how my sins really shatter the Lord's heart, you know? And I couldn't make any sense of it. I'm like, I'm 17. Why am I having an experience like this? You know, uh -huh. I, must, I must be called to the priesthood. Uh-huh. And so that's when I started really just getting very serious about my faith. So he takes his own life. Your sister's, is that what triggers your mom to, to kind of, you know, get herself together? Uh, initially, yes. So I had a, a, a St. Paul-like conversion. And when I had mine, I brought my mom back to confession. She hadn't been to confession in 25 years. Uh -huh. And at that moment, we started praying the rosary every night together. This is um, a junior in high school. Right? Uh -huh. And you're telling your mom, you're pulling her. That's right. Into That's praying the rosary. Yes. Wow. And that drastically changed our lives. My mom and I, uh, to this day, we have a nickname for each other. I'm peanut butter. She's jelly. <laughs> and, and that's how close we were, uh -huh. right? Um, my stepdad was uh, a recovering alcoholic then, uh -huh. but he was a dry drunk. What is that? That, that means that he didn't practice AA, the, the 12 steps. 
He didn't okay. go to any meetings. He didn't really take personal inventory and and really try to work on himself. Okay. He was just kind of white knuckling it, so to speak. Okay. So he right. just went cold turkey. He went cold turkey and um, just was still angry as could be, right? He just wasn't drinking. Uh-huh. So, um, so that really bonded my mom and I together, right? Um, so then we fast forward, and it's the next year. It's my senior year, right before prom. And um, my stepdad cheats on my mom. Oh. Okay. And tells her that he's leaving her. Okay. Okay. And this was the the straw that broke the camel's back. My mom had a nervous breakdown. And she was hospitalized for four months. At this time, I had already been accepted uh, into Franciscan University of Steubenville because uh, I thought I was going to become a priest. Really? Yeah. Wow. Um, and that's a whole other story. Uh-huh. Uh, that we can we'll get, get into, into that. Yeah. yeah. And um, so I wanted to study theology and philosophy. Anyways, um, so I'm going, you know, the the summer months, I'm going every day to visit my mom in the hospital. Uh huh. And there's two major people in my life, positive uh, male role models, Catholic male role models. The first was, um, uh, he's uh, he just passed away. His name's Father Tony Gargata. And he was a seminarian at the time. And um, when my mom got hospitalized, I had met Tony. Uh, it's a crazy story. Anyways, he was the seminarian at my parish. Okay. Because my mom and I started going to Mass every uh-huh. Sunday now, right? So he was assigned to your parish. That's right. What parish was this? This is um, St. Louise de Marillac in Pittsburgh. And so my buddy and I were running this Bible study Okay, a okay. steam Bible study for the uh-huh. youth group. And Tony got involved at the Bible study. So I got I got connected with him. Anyways, mm. lo and behold, he starts taking me to see my mom every day at the hospital. Because mm. I didn't drive. I didn't have a car at the time. Okay. Okay. And he didn't like really even know me. You know, he just, he met me like one other time. He saw a kid in need who That's, needed to see his mom. Yes. Mm-hmm. And he, he is the one. He was the pillar in my life. Uh, he reached out to me. He evangelized me mm-hmm. even more and was that that uh, big brother, fatherly figure. I'm sure you had some conversations in the car on the way to to the hospital on the way back where he, you know. Oh, he's the one who taught me about Catholic manhood, you know, because up until that point, I didn't know anything, you know. Um, so anyways, he's super influential in my life. Mm-hmm. Mom gets out. I go to Franciscan. And um, everything's good. That's when my mom got sober after that point. So this was it. This is it. 2000. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, Spring of 2000 is when she got sober. Do you ever think about what might have happened if this seminarian didn't, you know, uh, wasn't part of your life, didn't help you out like that? There's another person in my life um, who was super... Influential as well. Uh-huh. Uh, his name is Father Kim Shrek uh, for the Diocese of Pittsburgh. He's two years older than me. We went to high school together. Okay. He went to Franciscan as well. Okay. So um, his family basically adopted me. Mm. Okay. 
So I used to bully Kim. Yeah, his name's Kim. Okay. Right? Um, and uh, after Chuck passed away, Kim reached out to me and invited me to go on a retreat. And this is after you bullied him. There was one day coming out of health class, 10th grade year. Uh -huh. um, he was always like very religious. Uh -huh. He was into like young life at the time. And so, okay, right. He was just very um, devout and I wasn't. So and you'd make fun of him. I made fun of him all the time. Uh huh. And I slammed him up against the locker and I was like ready to just like, you know, destroy him. Uh huh. And um, fast forward the next year and he's the one who reaches out to me to go on this young life retreat. Wow. And that's where it all happened for me initially. And how old were you? At the I was 17. And was, he was? It was a month after Chuck committed suicide wow. that I went on this retreat. And from that point on, the Shrek family uh -huh. has become my second family. Wow. So to answer your question, to get back to Father Tony, the seminarian at the yeah. time, what would my life be like? It's hard to say because I had the Shreks, uh -huh. right? It was the combination of the, the Shreks and Tony together that really formed me. Wow. Yeah. So you had two rocks that you could lean on that mm -hmm. really helped you. Yeah. Two gigantic boulders, you know? Wow. Yeah. And did he ever talk to you about why he approached you after you bullied him in high school? Like he, <laughs> he didn't, you know... He didn't look at you and say, well, I'll forget this guy, you know, but no, he looked at you and he saw a guy in, who needed help. Yeah. Um, and, and that was it. Yeah. That, that was his answer is that he was trying to be de devout. So he was listening to the Holy, the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Uh-huh. And he said that this was an opportunity to really forgive and to reach out. Wow. And that, that takes an incredible person. Yes. Because- most people would have just said, oh, well, you know, this guy's a lost cause. Yep. I'm not going to reach out to him because he bullied me, you know? Yeah. Wow. I know. It's wow. crazy. I'm sure you apologized to him. Oh, profusely. So your mom's in the hospital. She's recovering. Mm -hmm. You've got a surrogate family plus another older brother figure that you could look up to couple of older brother figures that you could look up to. Mm -hmm. And you said you, you thought about entering the seminary. Is that because of these guys? Oh, absolutely. It was initially because of the power of the Holy spirit that I felt, uh, during that retreat experience. And then after that happened, they just fostered that experience. Uh huh. Right. And they got, they got me to really um, see the truths of the faith. Now, did you, how far did you go into, because I know you're, you're married now. Yes. So obviously <laughs> that didn't work out. Well, how far in the process did you go? I, I never like officially went to the seminary. Okay. But, um, I majored in theology at Franciscan. And uh, while I was there, I visited the, um, Capuchin uh, Friars of the Renewal in the Bronx, New York. Okay. Five times. That was um, Father Benedict Grishel's order. Okay. Right? And they are like hardcore, like extreme poverty, you know? 
That's uh, not the same one as Father Stan. Yeah, it is. is it? Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, same ones, same ones. Yes, yeah, the the the, um, the guy who was at uh, Father David Michael's last concert. That's that, right. Who played the drums and yep. he rapped and everything. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. The, the so CFRs. Okay. Yeah. And um, so, anyways, I just I kind of explored that route and went to you know a retreat for the diocese of Pittsburgh. You know, um, vocations retreat and other religious orders and. Um, but yeah, so I explored that for about three years, really. But none of them stuck. Um, none of them stuck. And uh, the whole midst of doing this, I just felt that God was calling me to break the cycle within my family life mm. and to start my own family. Okay. To be the father that I didn't have. Uh huh. And um, so, you know, Sarah and I have been married now for going to be 13 years and have three beautiful daughters. Did you meet her in college? Uh, she's a Franciscan grad as well. Okay. Uh, the, this story is kind of, it's, it's wild. Um, we had different circle of friends in college. Uh -huh. I was really good friends with her best friend. Anyways, um, so I'm a youth minister in Detroit, Michigan for four years. And I was dating another Franciscan girl, long distance at the time. And this is after this is yeah this is this is after this is two thousand um, two thousand eight okay and um, things were going really well um, I love this girl her name's Alyssa she was living in Phoenix so I decided to to move out to Phoenix to be closer to uh -huh. CERN Holy Matrimony uh huh and I was there for four months and I just I knew Rudy that um, that she wasn't the one. Okay. I couldn't explain it. She, she, you know, checked all the boxes. So on paper. It on paper, she's incredible. Uh-huh. You know? But I just felt that it just, I didn't have the peace for some reason. Okay. So I decided to, uh, you know, drive across country, visit Franciscan buddies along the way. Uh-huh. And uh, ultimately, I'm going to go back to Pittsburgh where I'm from. And so I've never been to Texas. So I come to Houston for the first time, had a blast. What that, brought you to Houston? Just Franciscan friends. Okay. Right? That's the the amazing thing about Franciscan University is everyone is from everywhere, uh -huh. right? So um, I'm like, I've always wanted to go to New Orleans, right? Never been to Bourbon Street. Uh -huh. So I go there. It's my last day there. It's a mutual friend of ours. Sarah's my wife's name. Her sorority sister invites Sarah to come over the last day that I'm there. And my wife is type A, okay? Uh -huh. At the time, she was a nanny, and she wasn't going to get off work till like 6 p.m. Uh -huh. on a Friday. Lindsay convinces Sarah. She's like, you know, Eddie Lowen's in town. We're going to go out, bar hop, and have a great time. And uh, convinces Sarah to come. So we had the most incredible time. It was just a purely platonic type thing, uh -huh. right? And the next morning... I get up and I drive to Alabama and I'm going up to Pittsburgh, right? Well, Sarah and I keep in touch just as friends. Mm -hmm. It was honestly the first time in my life that I wasn't looking for a girlfriend because I just called off a serious relationship with Alyssa, uh -huh. right? Uh -huh. And it's just amazing how God works like this, okay? Like yeah. when your heart is really open to him. And so we just kept in touch and as we talked more, I just knew, I knew that this was the reason 
why I was supposed to go out to Phoenix to discern marriage with Alyssa because I needed to meet Sarah in New Orleans. Mm. And God connected the pieces of the puzzle. And the reason why it didn't work out at any of the the, the places that you visited, the, the orders and the That's seminaries. Right. Nothing. I never had that ultimate peace. Uh-huh. And then a month after talking to Sarah as friends, we weren't even dating Rudy. Uh-huh. I told her that I was going to marry her. <laughs> and it freaked her out. <laughs> you you told her. I told her. You didn't ask her. You just I said, told her. I said, I'm going to marry you. I'm going to marry you. That's what, that's what you said. That's what I said. I'm going to marry <laughs> what you. What did she say? Well, what could you say? Right? <laughs> she probably thought I was crazy. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, I knew that she liked me and, you know, we're, things were going, uh, you know, down that path to become official of dating and whatever. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, you got along. You were friends. Oh, yeah, we yeah. were great. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and uh, she came She came to visit me, and I came to visit her, and uh-huh. anyways, but um, so we did long distance for uh, eight months, and then I moved to Houston because women have the power, right? <laughs> and she grew up here ever since fourth grade. Uh-huh. Her family's from upstate New York. And is her family Catholic? Uh, devout. Okay. Devout Catholic. And um and and the rest is history, you know. Wow. Yeah. Now your mom, how does that uh, play into that? You know, her seeing you, you know, looking into seminary or any of that. How did she react? Oh, my mom was super supportive. Really? Yeah. You know, once I brought my mom back into the faith, like uh-huh. she was gung ho. She was all in. You know. Wow. And um, so yeah. So she wasn't like, oh, I, I, you know, lost two of my kids. Now I'm going to lose another one to the cloth. No, she was. No, she, she didn't have any of those type of sentiments. That's fantastic. Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. Um, and even with holy matrimony, you uh-huh. know, after she met Sarah and she didn't have any of those type of feelings either of like, you know, I'm going to lose my son. Mm-hmm. Right. She was always, she loved Sarah, embraced Sarah, you know, was so happy for me that I was going to break the cycle and. Um, you know, just uh, was super supportive. So you said you were a youth minister. Did you continue that when you came down here to Houston? No, no. I was in the youth ministry for four years. And then when I came to Houston, I um, didn't have a job, uh-huh. right? So I was looking yeah, for- Totally a, new city and everything, starting from scratch again. Yeah. That's yeah. right. It was just um, love brought me down here uh-huh. and it was going to work its work itself out. Uh so I got a job teaching at a Catholic grade school, St. Michael's in the Galleria. And I did that for three years. And then I went over to St. Cecilia in a Memorial area. I did that for four years. Uh-huh. So it's always working with youth that you wanted to, you know, that's what you're drawn to. Yes. But I always thought I was going to work with like troubled youth, uh-huh. right? Of like economically disadvantaged, uh-huh. right? Um, I didn't experience that in St. Michael's and St. Cecilia. In fact, <laughs> it was quite school. the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I mean, um, it didn't feel like it was um, the true fit. Uh-huh. Uh, I loved it. It was great. They loved me. Mm-hmm. It was a great situation. But um, now I feel like I have what I'm meant to do. And now what are you doing now? Now I work at a behavioral school for KDISD. Uh-huh. It's a, a special education program. 
and uh, junior high and high school combined. And I'm a PE health teacher. And um, it's great. Behavioral school. Could you explain that to the people who don't really know? Uh, uh, so basically all the kids that are at our school have what's called emotional disturbance. Mm -hmm. And they come from real rough family lives. Okay. So abused kids. Abused kids, no fatherly figures. So similar to your background. Very similar to my background. Okay. And um, they, because of their family lives, they just get in trouble a lot at school. Uh-huh. And those schools, their home campuses don't know what to do with them. So then they send them to- A special facility. That's right. That's, which is what, where you work right now. That's right. And- um so I, I love working with with these type of kids, uh-huh. you know, because they see pictures of like me and my wife and our daughters, and they think like I've had this like, you know, um, I've never suffered in my life. Uh-huh. You know, I've always had it so easy. Uh-huh. Hey, Mr. Lone, you can't relate to me. You uh, don't know what you're talking about. You're from the suburbs, <laughs> yeah. you know, right? Yeah, that's, that's right. And then <laughs> when I drop the bomb about Jen and Chuck, their uh-huh. eyes. They are speechless. Uh-huh. And then I feel like, you know, I've I've earned their respect. Like, uh-huh. okay. Yeah, you got the yeah. street cred. Yeah. That's what you have. Yeah. That's it. This is somebody that they can see that, hey, he's pulled himself out of the gutter. Yep. Got his life together. And so you're a walking, talking example of them. I For them, I mean, excuse me. Yeah. Wow. I know. I mean, I've I've worked with some of the kids that you work with. Yeah. And it, I got to say, it's really challenging. Yeah, I mean, some of those kids, I mean, they, they have no, you know, there's something in their brain that doesn't stop them from, you know, just lashing out or acting out. Yeah. And wow. God Ver- bless you for, for Ver- what you do, man. Thank you. Thank you. Verbal and physical aggression are like their two best friends. Yeah. You know? And when they're at that age, it's tougher to deal with because they're bigger. Oh yeah. We got some big boys. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I really haven't had a... Uh, any any issues? I've had to restrain a, a few kids here and there um, the last three years, but you know it's um I I think it's I, I try to meet these kids where they're at. I think they know that I love them, I respect them, uh-huh. they know my story. Um, I do PE. They love sports, uh-huh. so I think that helps a lot. You know the subject matter, uh-huh. um, and I I talk to them about the Lord. I do. I, I I tell him what God has done in my life, how he's got me out of this vicious cycle. Uh-huh. And I try to give them hope that he can do the same thing for them if they just humble themselves and invite them into their hearts. Uh-huh. And um, my assistant principal, she's awesome. She, um, she told me, she's like, Eddie, I, I know your theological background. She's like, I want you to evangelize these kids. Uh-huh. She's like, they, they need Jesus, you know? And no parent has ever given me any backlash, mm. right? That's good. Yeah. Because that's what you, you, when you said you evangelize <laughs> these kids, I'm like, oh, maybe somebody's going to say something, but no. No, the Holy Spirit's protecting me. A lot of these parents are probably, you know, we'll, we'll try anything at this point. I, I think that, um, I just think that God's protected me. And no kid has ever really said, you know, Eddie, uh, Mr. Lone, uh, I don't want to hear about that. Don't, uh-huh. don't, don't, don't talk to me about that. Uh-huh. You know, I, I don't get that. Wow. I got open hearts and open minds, you wow. know? And so that's why I feel like God put me there. 
That's, mm-hmm. that's my calling. It's a vocation, you know? Um, so I love these kids, you know, St. John Bosco is my favorite saint. Oh yes. And so, you know, and I, t- I tell them about St. John Bosco, like, uh-huh. Ooh, what? You know? Yeah. They probably never heard of him. Yeah. <laughs> There goes, oh, there goes Mr. Lowen again with his, you know, <laughs> Christianity. <You> know? <laughs> uh-huh. Now, your yeah. mom, you said she's she's been sober for 20... It'll be 23 years. 23 year. years now. Yeah. Wow. What's a, What about the relationship that uh, with your, you know, your your biological, fa- uh, you know, family, your father's family? Has has that ever mended or no. is that just... No, it, um, it, it never did. It never did. And, um, you know, one of the great things that Tony, the seminarian, did for me is that he grew up in the same neighborhood in Pittsburgh uh-huh. with my, um, he knew my, one of my uncles and grew up with my cousins. And he took me over there one day and um, to try to get us, you know, connected. And, uh-huh. um, but they just never, for whatever reason, Rudy, they just never wanted to have a relationship. You know, and so you just have to, I tried, you know. and You sent some feelers out. Yeah, 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 I did. You know, Mm -hmm. I I did that route, but. So the ball's in their court pretty much. It's in their court and um, that's fine. You know, I'm just, I'm focused on Sarah and my beautiful daughters. And, you know, I got Sarah's parents here and my mom moved down uh, five years ago. Um, No, longer than eight years. I can't believe it's been eight years that, uh that she's here, but, um, yeah, so I just, I focus on that, you know, I got a great, um, group of friends at St. Faustino and the mm-hmm. men's group, you know, so our families are real tight. We're always connecting our kids and, you know, so. a lot of the guests that we've had, they've, uh, they've talked about their experiences with acts, but yeah. you had a major experience even before. What was that like for you going into acts and, you know, I was really looking forward to it. It wasn't, it wasn't a situation where, you know, the wife convinces the husband to go, right? <laughs> or makes the husband go. So you were one of the few. Oh, I was one of the few. Like, I was all in, you know? When I heard about Axe, I was like, uh-huh. yes, sign me up, you know? I just so you weren't like stuff. me who was trying to make excuses to get out of it, huh? <laughs> no, no. And Sarah was super supportive because at the time, our girls were very young. Uh-huh. So that was a grind for her. Mm, um, yeah, but no, she was, she had my back. Like she knew like, this is, this is your thing, man. Uh-huh. You know? So that's my jam, you know? So you were all in. I was all in, man. Cause I, I love community. I love brotherhood. You know, that's always been so important to me in my life because of all the different, you know, family friends that God put in my life to lead me on the straight and narrow. Mm-hmm. It's, I just constantly want that and I want it for my own family. So I was like, this is an opportunity to really build awesome relationships with dudes at uh-huh. the parish. Yeah. I'm in. Yeah. You know? That's cool. Yeah. Do any of your friends have anybody like approached you and said, hey, you know, uh, could you talk to our, my son or my, you know, nephew or something like that because of everything that you've been through? I, I, I do get that. I do get that. Um, so, yeah, I, I, that's, you know, it's, I told Sarah the other day, and it, it's it's amazing that this all worked out for in the pews, but, you know, I said, look, I just want to, I want to give people hope. And I, I want an opportunity, a platform to, to give people that hope. 
And she's like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, you know, I just want to tell people my story. And she's like, well, are you going to like try to get money? I'm like, no, I don't want any of that. I just want to tell people how awesome God is and that he can do amazing things for your life if you just let him open your heart. So she's like, well, what are you going to do? I'm like, I'm just going to try to go to like every youth group I can and just like, you know, share the, share the good news, share my story. You know, it's my experience, strength, and hope. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't want anything. You know, I just give me a half hour of your time, you know, and if I, if that's the reason why God allowed the suffering in my life to happen, so be it. It's worth it then. That's how I look at it. If I can inspire and empower other kids to get fired up for Christ, then it's worth it. Well, thank you so much for, you know, coming here and telling your story and for, you know, being open to, to, to telling your story at, you know, at, at parishes. I've heard your, your talk at St. Faustia is fantastic. Thank, and thank you. you for, you know, the work that you do with, uh, you know, with your students. Thank you. I mean, God bless you, brother. I mean, you're, you're doing great stuff. I mean, I mean, what can I say? I'm just trying to open my heart up to the Holy spirit and, um, just, I'm just trying to get closer to, to the Trinity, man. You know, that's all I'm trying to do. One last thing. Yeah. What would you say to somebody who's in a bad situation, a teenager, mm. if who's in a really bad situation and feels like there's just no, there's no light at the end of the tunnel? What would mm. you say to them? I would tell them that there's always hope to never give up, um, to never stop believing because your situation can and will get better. It's just going to have to start with you making choices. You know, you're at the point at a crossroads. You can go to the left and these things can happen, or you can go to the right and these beautiful things can happen to you. It's your choice. And I would tell them that uh, there are people out there who understand their situation, who can relate to them, and who can help them. And that's that's the advice I'd give them. What about to a parent who's given up on a teen, who has thrown their hands up and said, "I don't know what to do anymore." What would you say? I Being would, that teen, yeah, I would say I would tell them. In a nutshell, this is what happened in my life. Mm-hmm. If somebody, if my um, high school algebra two teacher didn't reach out to me, uh, if he just threw up his hands. And said, I, I can't help this kid. He's a lost cause, right? Uh-huh. Or, you know, my mom or whomever. Um, then I wouldn't be where I am right now. It was because people didn't give up on me that stayed the course, mm-hmm. that kept grinding, that I have this beautiful lifestyle now, right? It's other people in your life that make the difference. Thank you so much. God bless you, brother. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity.